On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, the Friday before a long weekend edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Mike Fortune from the Hamilton Network on Cable 14 joins me to talk about March break and a June federal election possibly and three-day work weeks and whether we should boycott the Olympics in Beijing and even $3,000 headlights. Oh, and you will definitely find out how romantic a man Mike Fortune is on Valentine's Day. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Not just a long weekend, Valentine's Day weekend. Marvin Gaye is going to be, well, his song's not him. It's going to be worn out by the end of this weekend. Sad about Marvin. I mean, Marvin left us way, way, way too soon under tragic circumstances, but Man, what? How much more sexy music could Marvin Gaye have possibly made if he lived another thirty years or so? It's 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 astounding. How many more babies would have been born if Marvin Gaye had lived a little bit longer? But yes, it is Valentine's Day weekend as long as Family Day weekend. You know, you would think that Family Day weekend, quite honestly, should have been nine months after Valentine's Day weekend. <laughs> that would that would have made more sense, wouldn't it? Anyway, let me bring in. A guy who now it's just awkward to introduce my guest today because, uh, you know, that song and this discussion, it's, uh, I'm, 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 it is a little awkward, but nonetheless, he is Mike Fortune. He is the co-host of the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. He's one of our favorites here on the show. Mike, how are you tonight? Scott, I'm doing really well. I, I heard that theme music coming in here and I'm like, I already said yes to the show. You didn't have to <laughs> whine and dine me anymore. Well, let me ask you, are you, are you, a, are you good at Valentine's Day? Horrible at it. Horrible at it. I, I've always looked at, at, at Valentine's Day as a hallmark, just a hallmark promotion. You know, I, I think in my younger days, I was maybe a little bit more open to it. But, you know, you, <laughs> you're married, you get into your routines, and it's just another day in my eyes. And uh, maybe that's not the right way to look at it. But uh, I like to spread the love out 364 days a year, Scotty. <laughs> 364. And then, and then one day of just visceral hatred. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope Mrs. Fortune is not listening. If Mrs. Fortune is listening to this, don't worry. Mike will have roses. He'll make dinner. He'll have champagne. He'll have a, a, a library of cards from which you can select your favorite, all written by hand in personal calligraphy. Scott, why right? would you say any of that? Come on, man. Well, someone's <laughs> got to, cause I, you know, I went out today. Here's the thing. I went out today because this is the first time, no, no kidding. This is the first time in two weeks I have left the house just because of work and everything else and COVID and whatever. And I thought, I, I got to go out and get a card. I got to go find a card. I mean, it is Valentine's Day. The one thing you cannot drop, the bare minimum you cannot drop the ball on is to not have a card. And, and you know, some will say, well, you could have sent one of those e-cards. Yeah. An e-card is, is telling your wife or significant other, I completely forgot and this is a last minute thing. And it says, I didn't read the small print on the e-card and it says, happy birthday, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask, when you were out getting your card today, did you also buy your roses a couple days in advance because they are going to be a lot more affordable today than they will be on Sunday? We have a, we have an agreement that it's okay. See, my wife and I both tend to lean towards the massively cheap. And so we have an agreement that, you know, flowers can come other times of the year and that they do, but we're, we're going to just not buy them on the weekend of Valentine's because we both understand that they jack the prices through the roof. And, you know, it's, it's, so we'll do something else. We'll, but I mean, I found some other things. My, my wife, see, here's the thing. Here is how romantic I can be, Mike. And this is, okay. this is really, this is the kind of the limits of where I can get teach, to. Teach me because I need to know what to do. Well, I'm not going to teach everything, not on the air, not, not before adult time, not before 11 o'clock PM when we can go into the adult version of the show. You're just, you're just a big tease. You play that music and then you give me that answer. Okay. Anyways. So we, every winter yeah. try to go away on a trip somewhere and often it's on a cruise or something, but just to break up the winter and to have, and my wife's favorite dessert on when we go away is creme brulee. Well, today I happened to be in a store and found really fancy creme brulee. And I said, all right, if we're not going to do the flowers, I've got a card creme brulee. I, you know, see now I figure I'm, I, I'm at least into acceptable Valentine's day territory now where I can say I held up my end of the bargain. 
I think you've actually upped your game because the fact that you pay attention to know what your wife's favorite dessert is during the wintertime on a cruise or a getaway when you can't get away this time of year because of COVID, you've gone, I think, above and beyond showing that you truly pay attention to what her likes are. I, I think you've hit it out of the park, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm hoping so. I, I'm, I, you know, because some of the other options that I was trying to think of, you know, it, it's a block of cheddar is not romantic. <laughs> it, it's not romantic, but it's, it's the best way to have the, but summer it's delicious, before. but it's delicious little, it's, it's delicious. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, but you're not, you're, you're, you struggle with the whole Valentine's day thing. Yeah. I've, I've struggled with it for quite a while and, um, you know, put your kids just, in charge. Put your kids in charge. Say, look, pay attention to what mom is talking about because she won't say it to me. And then say, give me some hints. Or or just watch what dad does and save yourself lots of money down the road. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and make sure you remain single for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, there you go. No, it's, I, I don't want to sound like a Valentine Scrooge. I think it's a, I think it's a, a nice little, uh, like I said, hallmark time of the year by all means. But uh you know, there's other things I think that we need to focus on right now. And, you know, I, I let my family know how much I care about them throughout the year. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably, do, you know what, I always break down a little bit, Scott, and we will do like a nice dinner or something. So, you know, as, as long as we're all together and healthy this year, especially, that's all that truly matters to me, my man. Yeah. And I, I learned, we had to go to break, but I learned yesterday that there is such a thing tomorrow where... I guess girlfriends, like, you know, just not romantic, but platonic girlfriends can give cards to each other. And it's called Galentine's Day. Do you hear about that one? Yeah, I think I'd heard that one from last year. I hadn't yeah, heard that one before. Yeah. yeah, you know what? But that, see, now there is your hallmark squeezing the market to get another dollar out of you for another card. But well, you know, I'm not given, uh, well, for obvious reasons, I'm not participating in Galentine's Day. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, we'll move away from the the love for a few minutes here. Some right. other things to talk about besides, although Ben and I, during the break, we, we thought if there's Galentine's Day, what's the guy version? And we came up with Dudenstein, but that sounds like a German mug. So right. I don't know what we're, we're going to still, <laughs> hey, we're still working on it. Give me a German mug uh, full of some beer. I'm okay with that. That's happy that, Valentine's to me. <laughs> We, uh, we learned this week, we learned yesterday, in fact, that March break is not going to be March break this year. It's going to be April break. And this is to try and hold off on having everybody get together with friends and maybe travel or whatever else. This is the Ontario government's solution or hope that this is going to work. What do you, what do you think about the plan? Is it, to you, is it a good plan? Is it a stupid plan? Is it a nothing plan? What, what, what did you think when you heard it? So we're pushing March break until April and we're slowly opening up all the business yet they still want us all to stay home. So I, I'm very confused. Um, listen, I think in the beginning, the government was doing a wonderful job. Uh, there was no playbook for this, but they've had a lot of time now to truly understand, I think, what is kind of going on and what needs to be done. And I, I'm fearful that there will be a third wave and we will find ourselves right back in it. So whether you push March break to April or till the end of June, um, I, I, I don't know if, if that is the absolute solution for the teachers out there, for the students. Personally, I think they, they need a, a huge break right now. And people will say, yeah, but Mike, they've been working from home, you know. I, I've seen and heard of some horror stories for, from teachers and from students and from, from parents who've had to self-teach their kids. Everyone needs a bit of a break. And if you want to push it off another six weeks or so, I don't know if that's going to be the solution to cur uh, to, to flatten the curve anymore um, because there's just so much mixed messaging going on with these color-coded systems and, and what is supposed to happen and what we can and can't do. About the confusion, I, I think the answer that they would give is – if we don't have March break right now, even though we are opening businesses and the city of Hamilton's going back to the red, red level, red zone, whatever it's called, out of gray, out of lockdown. Uh, if we don't have March break right now, we hopefully prevent people from going on trips somewhere, even though they probably weren't going to leave the, the country. We prevent them from all getting together and hanging out that we, we try to keep things the way they have been going while the numbers have been dropping. I, like, here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to work. But I don't know could, if it's going to work. But we're going into the red zone, which which is basically saying, you know, you can go to gyms, you can go to restaurants now. So you're closing it, yet you're opening it. 
So, and people have been gathering regardless of if there's a March break or not, whether we're in the restricted gray zone or, or the, the slightly open red, red zone. So there, there's still so much going. Yes, the case counts are down. What we've been doing it, it has been working in the complete lockdown. But as we've seen after the first wave, we start to open things up. We are going to find ourselves in hot water again, I, I truly believe. And you, you, to, to, to tell people, okay, we're going to wait six weeks so people don't uh, be anticipated to go anywhere, it means nothing because you're opening everything else up, in my opinion. To your point, we can't travel to Florida probably or do those types of trips. But, you know, Scotty, again, mixed messaging going on right now. First of all, a couple things. Um, yeah. We had Dr. Ahmad Faraz Khalid on the show. We have him as a regular guest talking about these things yesterday. And he said he thinks it's possible we'll have a third wave. A lot of other places that I've read, they're describing it as inevitable. But who knows? I mean, but the the issue is most of the people who are saying a third wave is inevitable, they are saying it will come in April, which means that I, I suspect that March break will probably once again be canceled or something that that'll be for down the road. But the, the broader, maybe the, not the broader, one of the issues with this is you're right about the fact that we're opening things up again, but how long can you keep things locked down and have people not go completely goofy? And, and I mean, I, you know, and I use the word goofy, which sounds like a, a silly word. It's not meant you, people are going to start the, you may solve the COVID issue, but you're going to have mental health and emotional other things. If people are per, if for, for months on end in a lockdown, we may stop the virus, but then what do you have at the end? Well, that's where the, the federal government and the, the provincial government and councils then have to come together and say, okay, let's, let's look at this other crisis because not going loopy, we're, we're already there. There, there are hundreds, thousands of people who are hundreds of thousands that are seriously having some serious issues right now, and I feel truly sorry for all of them. We're already there, Scott. People are going loopy. If I don't you know were... what the answer is. I don't. I can't look in my crystal ball. I don't. I can't snap my fingers with a magical solution. We are already there, and you, you are hearing stories of frontline. Uh, individuals. You're hearing of people uh, who, who, who thought they maybe had it all together who are now taking their lives, and this is getting very sombering. I'm sorry about that, but it's the truth. It's already no, it's true. here. It's true. It's, it's it... already here. So I, I don't know what that answer is, but yes, we have to contain the virus, but the governments, the professionals then have to, okay, well, now we have to deal with the second situation that we're under, which is mental health, which has been talked about for years and has really come to the forefront over these past 10 months. I would, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if, if, if you were someone, if you are listening and you're someone who lives alone, or if you live with a family that you don't like, I mean, if, if, if you don't have a bunch of people or somebody else with you in your home that you enjoy right now, this is going to have been torture. So, or if you're by yourself, absolutely. This is, uh, this is very tough. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Story from the Toronto Star this week from Wednesday from Bob Hepburn, who is a columnist with the Toronto Star. Get ready, Canadians. You'll likely be going to the polls in June. That is the month Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his Liberal campaign team have set their sights on for the next federal election, barring a major unforeseen event in the coming weeks. That would mean, Mike, that um, 60... Uh, 54, 50, pardon me, 50 days out is the time that, uh, that the election can be. So if it's in June, that takes us back to mid April for the start of the campaign. And what we were just talking about, that they're talking about a third wave, which they expect many in April. Is it fair? Is it right? Is it acceptable? Or is it totally okay to have a federal election campaign running in the middle of a pandemic? I, I, well, you have to look at what happened uh, across the border. They were able to get a, a, a new U.S. president put in. So we've seen an, a, a massive election happen. So I guess it's possible. It, it, it can be done. Is it fair or not? Listen, you know, um, politics is politics. And if Justin Trudeau and his party say this is, a, this is a time for us to strike and do what we need to do, and he thinks he's in a position to win, then, then I guess so be it. I, I, I'm fairly certain that with all the restrictions that have been put in and, and the masking and, and everything else, and they will make sure that everything is proper protocols are put in place, I think it can be done safely. 
And um, I, I don't know if they'll go to any mail voting or electronic voting, if it's the old school way that we do it here in Canada. Um, you know, I, I don't personally have a problem with it. It might be some wrong messaging. But, you know, the world, Scott and Farron, you know, the, the world still does have to go on. Things do have to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the uh, the other parties would, would welcome it as well as a potential opportunity to knock Trudeau and his party off. Well, the the difference between, you're right about the American election. They did run one and it was in a, in a pandemic. The difference is that is a perpetually, permanently set date. We know when the next American election is going to be to the date. We run on a slightly different system. It's a minority government so that it can be called or really the, the liberal government could fall or force themselves to fall at any time, which means it could also be something where we don't have to have one in June. That's the difference that that was the American one pretty much had to happen because that's the way it is done here. It doesn't have to happen. We'd be choosing to do that. And I think that's a different thing. I I agree. It is, is a different thing, but it, but if we are going to, if we are, if they decide that we are going to do it again, it's been proven that, that it can be done now. Yes, it's different. So at what point, you know, again, we're opening up businesses. We've got to keep the economy going. You know, governments need, need to make decisions. Governments need to change, whatever the case might be. I, I think, in fairness, yes, this COVID thing has really uh, exasperated all of us, but we also have to, I think, also learn to live with COVID as well, to some extent, and, and following procedures. So if the government wants to call an election, then call an election. Let's do everything that we can to keep things together. That's, you know... I'm not one of these people, Scott, that is all worked up and terrified about COVID. I'm truly not because I know I do everything that I'm supposed to do. I keep my distance. I wash my hands. I stay home when I'm supposed to. They got great protocols down at Cable 14. So listen. But you know who is, Mike? That's a fair point. But you know who is worried about it? Older people. And you know who votes in elections? Older people. And so when I look at this, and you can say, well, let's make it for online voting. Okay. And again, you're now talking, there's a lot of people who would be older who navigate their way around the computer with no problem, but there's also an awful lot that aren't very comfortable with that. And there's a bunch that still don't want to put their credit card online because they're worried about it. So it's, it's, you're, you're, this is an issue that I think is, is, it's more complicated than perhaps we want to make it sound. And, and quite honestly, quite honestly, I think that when you look at who the voting group is and where people tend to vote, depending on their age, not always, you can't, you know, make a blanket statement, but uh, I think the liberal party and the NDP would be very happy to have an election when older people are less likely to come to the polls. Very like, very happy. I was just going to say that there, there's always the politics behind the politics. They've done the numbers. They know the algorithms and the analytics and all that stuff. And if they're not going to get as many seniors out, Hey, look how Trudeau, look at how Trudeau won his last election. Right. And, and it all came down to the young folks. So this could all just be very well timed out. And uh, no doubt a lot of thought has been put into this and will be put into it. And they're like, Hey, we'll be fine if the seniors don't want to come out and vote. And, and yeah, and young that's, urban, that's, young urban that's, voters. That's politics. So, so I want to see, and I don't even know if this would be legal, but I want to see if Doug Ford as the, cause he's obviously not a liberal, he's a conservative right before the election puts in an absolute complete lockdown on all of Ontario and anyone who leaves their home and is caught outside will be charged and arrested. I mean, obviously not, but I'm, this is, it's all, I'm being silly, but it's all politics. It's all stuff that will go on. And if you can create an election to be held when older people are less likely to come out, could the other party try and find, or other parties try and find ways to spin things in their direction, which they surely will. They'll surely try. Hey, just, just get in touch with Putin over there in Russia and he'll figure things out behind the scenes for us too. He'll, he'll make it work for him. <laughs> you know, I here, here's, we only have a few seconds on this one, but I do think though, even not just older people, I think there are still an awful lot of people who are concerned. I won't even use the word skeptical, although that may be a, a proper word, who are concerned about online voting still. And, and you know, whether whether we do it someday down the road, I'm sure we will at some point. But you know what? For the longest time, with the with the American election, 
for the American election, we were all very concerned that Putin was calling the shots and doing stuff. And then all of a sudden we weren't that concerned because we were fine with online voting. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, but it, it looks like we're going to have an election or a, 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 an election in June. And we will, we'll see if people are happy with that. We'll see if they get a turnout, but and, June election. And again, this is all being uh, worked together very well behind the scenes to ensure that you know, they all put themselves in the best position as possible. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And that's what it's all about, right? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, there was a Toronto-based think tank that came out with its look at the future of work and where it thinks the trends are going to go and where it thinks people want to go and all kinds of other stuff. And one of their conclusions that was reached in the last week or two or whenever this was done, it just was released the other day, was that it says people are eager for a three-day work week. And and so my initial reaction as soon as I heard this was, oh, sure, they're eager for a three-day work week. Pay me for five, but give me three. I'd take that too. But it's saying, no, no, people are eager for a three, they say people are eager for a three-day work week at three-day work week pay. They are happy to make less money just to have only three days to work. It's very lovely to say this. It's very fashionable to say this. When it really comes down to your check comes in, your paycheck comes, and you're only getting three days pay, do you really think this is something people will latch onto, or is this just momentarily fashionable? It's just momentarily fashionable. You you cannot live off of three days' pay. Everything is skyrocketing when it comes to prices. Look at your grocery bill. Look at your 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 internet, phone, cable bill. Every, you you can't live off of three days' pay. So yeah, you know, sexy thing to say, and and you know, you want to be part of the group to say, yeah, we can manage this. Not going to happen. Can't happen. Won't happen. What I do see potentially happening is the 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 traditional eight hours a day, 40 hours a week in the office, I see that changing. I see um, maybe a little more flexibility when it comes to, look, you know what, you got to put in your work, you got to put in your time. We just want to see it get done. And if you need to, if, if you start work at six in the morning and go till 10 and then, you know, finish the day from, from three until five, so be it. I see a lot more of that type of flexibility happening in regards to saying, I just want to work for three days and get three days pay. You you can't survive off of that. Not going to happen. And I think they're just maybe even putting that out there to get some some clickbait and uh, interest on their their website, to be honest with you. Well, let me read a sentence from it. it. Here it is. The value placed on professional aspirations and our relationship to work is shifting. And individuals may be happier with less hours of work, less income, and new work norms. And so what they're saying is people are going to be fine with making less money and working less. I tend to lean towards you, though. You're going to be fine with this until you can't pay the bills, until you can't live anywhere. And then you know what's going to happen. This is the next step. They've left the next step out of this because you're going to want this, but then you're going to want government money topping up what you've made. You're going to want some sort of program to allow you to work just the three days, and then you're going to want to you know, something else that will allow you to, to, to pay the rest of those things you have to pay for. It's inevitable because you're right. You, if you, if you can't make the money to live, you're not going to suddenly say, well, I just won't live then. So the, so the three days of pay that you get, be prepared to have more taxes to pay because, well, now you got to pay for everyone that wants to sit home for three days or, or, or for, for the other four days. It, 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 it ah. makes you know, you know yes. you, you, you like where that came from? No, I, I do because, because it's obviously not going to be everybody that wants to do this. There are people who are going to be ambitious and want to work and want to make money. And you're absolutely right. They are then suddenly going to have the government taking more money from them to pay for the people who say, I want to work three days. Yep. So, so that won't happen. And uh, look at retirement. <laughs> look how difficult it is to save five hundred thousand, a million bucks, whatever it is you kind of need to retire at, at, a, at a at a baseline, you know, very uh, unthrifty kind of of, of living, a, a meager living to get to, to be comfortable. You work three days a week, you will basically not retire. So you won't be able to pay off your house, as you alluded to. You won't be able to go on those trips where you want to go. So I think it's a lot of blowing smoke right now, and um, I'd be very curious to to know 
when they took this poll or this tally, who the individuals were, what the ge- what the age group was, and, and what the gender and the backgrounds of these these people were. My guess is it was probably millennials. Um, I'm 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 frantically searching through to see if I can find the answer. I think you're probably going to be right, but I disagree with one thing you said when you said it's, so. It's not going to happen. Oh, I, I disagree with that entirely. I think that as you have this shifting demographic that gets more and more political power because they have the voting block and everything else, I think the, these things will happen. And I think you will be on the hook for more taxes to pay for the people who want to work just three days. And I think exactly what you alluded to, that the people who really want to work hard and want to own their own business and grind it out and not do three days, but work seven days a week because they have to, they are going to end up being punished by this. And, you know, Mike, this goes to something I I firmly believe. I I am wholeheartedly of the belief that there is value in working hard. And while I also like time off, I find it almost not offensive, but I find it troubling that apparently a whole bunch of people in this poll have decided, you know, I'm fine with, with not doing much. I'm fine with just chilling. There's value in hard work. There just is. We got to go, right, but there I, is. I, I agree completely, and uh, and just quick, I know you got to go. Yeah. So if yeah. I want, if I if I want to be in that side where I want to work seven days a week, I hope I sure get paid a lot more then. If you, you want to work, work three less, days, you get a, paid less. If you want right. to work more, you should be able to get paid seven days a week. Um, that's how I look at it. Here's the thing: no one is stopping you from working three days a week. Right. That's true. No one's that's stopping true. you from working three days a week. Live it up. Just don't come asking for more from everybody else. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Do you drive a a really expensive high-end luxury vehicle? Scott, you've known me long enough to know that the answer to that's no. Come on. I, no, I, I didn't think so, but I, you know, I lose track of who among my friends and who among my colleagues drive what. I can't remember, but I didn't think so. I think you were, you were a minivan guy for a while, right? Still am proud owner okay. of, a, of a, a minivan. Completely paid off. I treat it. I treat it like it's an exotic car. It gets bathed and, and vacuumed <laughs> consistently. Um, oil changes. Good gas. I love my minivan. The reason I ask, and I, I've never driven a an expensive car. I mean, they're all expensive, but you know what I mean. I've never driven one of those ones where people would see me driving by and go, "Oh, uh, never." <laughs> uh, they may go, "Oh," but nonetheless. I, Here's why I asked the question. I didn't realize this. I had no idea about this, again, because I don't drive these cars. Some people listening may know what I'm talking about. It seems, and maybe you know this, it seems that a lot of car repairs now with the new parts for the super fancy cars, the parts are not easy to get the little parts. You replace entire components now. So, and I'm reading this story about this woman who drives a... 2017 Mercedes E 400. Okay. Uh, I I'm assuming that's a very nice car. It's a Mercedes. It's going to be a nice car. I don't know what, you know, I couldn't picture it, but it's a nice car. She had to go in and replace a headlight. When she went in, she was told there were small cracks in the lights and these lights would be replaced. So no problem. You just fix my headlight, right? Nuh-uh. These are now component headlights. You have to take out the whole thing. $3,500 each, $7,000 for her repairs. Yeah. See, that's ridiculous. When you can go to Canadian Tire and get a bulb for $599 and do it yourself. If now, I'm not, it's, it's unclear. It's unclear from this story if it was the bulb that burnt out. Cause if that's the case, this is truly insane. Or if it was just that you know, the glass was cracking or had little micro cracks or something on it. I'm not really sure. Regar- so let's leave the light bulb. I can't believe that they would make you pay $7,000 to change your light bulbs. That would be hey. ridiculous. You, you, you never know. That could be the case. I remember I, I remember a number of years ago, about 15 years ago or so, um, a, a friend of mine um, had, had significant, had many, many monies. Let's leave, put it that way. And and he got a crack in his BMW windshield, and I said, "Oh, I said, oh, you're going to be taking your car to Apple Auto Glass and get that fixed." And he looks at me and he raises his eyebrow and he scoffs. He goes, "You don't take a BMW to an Apple Auto Glass because I guess these are uh, high-end windshields, and you have to take it to the dealership, and they're soundproof and all this stuff." That's when I learned how expensive these cars are after you've purchased them. 
Yes, because I had a friend who bought a secondhand luxury car. I can't remember what yeah. make it was, Beamer or something. And the price they got on this thing was spectacular. And it wasn't that old. And I was like, really? That's all you paid? <laughs> and now I'm realizing why these lux super luxury cars, why he got it. Because it's not, it, it's like when you buy a computer printer. The printer costs you nothing, but the ink is going to be a fortune to, in order exactly. to use it. And anyway, I looked at this thing, Ben, who just, Ben, jump in for a sec here. Ben is back at the studio. He was whispering in my ear about why this light bulb may be so darn expensive. So the thing is, what's happening now is they're having to replace the entire headlight unit because it's LED headlights usually. This being a Mercedes E400, oh yeah, it's going to have LED lights. So that's the problem is it's no longer just a usual bulb. It's now tiny, tiny bulbs all over that makes that nice clean line of the LED headlight. It's, it's, uh, honestly, if I had to go in and take my car in to get a headlight fixed or two headlights fixed, and they told me it was $7,000, I would just say, keep the car. (laughs) I'm sorry. CHML is obviously paying their producers way too much to have a Mercedes and be able to know all that information. So, hey, thanks for that, Ben. I appreciate that. Good to know. <laughs> well, Ben has three Mercedes. He just doesn't try to well, there, announce there it. There you go. Well, he's a producer extraordinaire. Yeah, right next to Will. <laughs> See, that's yes. the thing, though, is it's besides the Lamborghini. That one's the weekend car. The Mercedes ah. is the daily driver. There you go. Got you. If, if you ever want to feel better about yourself in a cruel, and like I'm almost ashamed to say this, but in a cruel vicious kind of way go on youtube and look up sports car crashes there's tons of videos of people with with dashboard cams or whatever where there are people who crash a lamborghini or crash ferraris or whatever and it's amazing mike how many clearly how many people who have bought cars that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and are terrible drivers and can't handle the power of the car and do something stupid and somehow in a cruel small person kind of way you watch this and you feel better about driving your own little minivan or my jalopy yeah not to marginalize or paint them all with the same brush but who knows how they came into their money and you know did they did they can can they truly appreciate the vehicle um that that they own you know you, you and i and and ben you know We've had to scrimp and save and put down money and get leases and, and all this stuff uh, or pay the loan, car loan back. You know, some of these, they, they just, they got the cash. They just buy it all. They buy a Lamborghini. Here's 200000 in cash. Thank you very much. Because to them, they don't have to work hard to appreciate it and earn it. It's just, it's it's there. So it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, well, I, I'll never be driving a, a Lamborghini. I, I will never be near a Lamborghini. They won't let me near any Lamborghinis. They just, they, I'm not even allowed to, it's like the guitars in Spinal Tap. You've looked enough. Don't even look. Now, You've looked you, enough. You can go to Vegas, and I know this for a fact, you can go to Vegas and, and pay big bucks, and you can actually drive around in high-end vehicles. Nope, nope. I would be so no terrified. I would be so terrified of being that idiot on the next video that I could not do it. Anyway, let me take hey, a break. We're going to go to the- CHML would like it. You get lots of YouTube hits. Oh yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll put the CHML logo on the side. I'll drive it around the CHML Lamborghini mobile and, and then crack it up. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike fortune from cable 14's the Hamilton network. You can see him on there all the time. They, I mean, they, how many days a week are you on, Mike? With reruns? Uh, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday uh, airs at 5 p.m. There you go. And you can probably find it other times as well. Hey, I got to read you a headline. Yep. One of the great headlines of the week, maybe one of the great headlines of the month. Teen reunited with pet rooster lost at Alabama Cracker Barrel after Civil War reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the uh, states. <laughs> I am. Tr- There's so many parts of this. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so he has a pet rooster. That's not probably entirely ridiculous, uh, but he somehow takes his pet rooster to a Civil War reenactment, which is really dangerous. I would think because these guys get hungry out in the you know when they're fighting in the in the front lines, yep. and then the rooster survives the battle but goes with him to an Alabama Cracker Barrel and gets lost. That That's a full day. All while driving his pickup truck with his shotgun in the back. 
more than likely, more than likely, but it's, um, yeah. And singing about losing his dog and his pet rooster in, in country music form. There you go. That's right. <laughs> that's, I, that, hey, hey, you know, the people do weird, wacky things and Hey, again, get some headlines, right, man, man. Well, I don't know that he was trying to get the headline of the guy who reunited with his pet rooster after losing it at an Alabama cracker barrel following a civil war reenactment, but Hey, you know what? Each person gets their own, uh, their own 15 minutes. And so, I, so I have to ask, uh, educate me here. What is a cracker barrel? Like I know. Cracker oh, have barrel you never cheese. been to a cracker barrel? I've never been to a cracker barrel. No. What is it? Oh, it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant chain. And, and you know, now different people, mm. this is, this is certainly not high end dining. No one is suggesting that, but you know, Cracker Barrel's pretty good. I, I, from my recollection, it's probably been 20 years since I've been to one, something but my recollection, the, something you'd well, find in the South, like the deep yeah. South type thing with grits not and even, all that stuff. Oh, probably not even, I don't think I even was in the deep South when I went to Cracker Barrel. I think it was okay. just in the States and it was, you know, it was, it was I don't know what it would be compared to, but well, now you know, I, now I get the headline a little bit more now that it's actually at a restaurant. So, okay. Well, <laughs> and so taking your pet rooster to a, to a civil war reenactment and the risks inherent in that to a rooster are high, but taking a rooster to a restaurant where, where, where they, I'm sure serve fried chicken, <laughs> boy, you are really trying to lose this rooster in a bad way. You, you got to wonder about this relationship that he has with his rooster. Like that is, that's commitment. That's real commitment. That, that is, that is seriously wanting to spend time. Hey, it's Valentine's weekend. Uh, well, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. he's wanting to spend not in a weird way. Just, you know, he loves his rooster. Hey, it, it, it could be weird. So, you know, it could be, I don't see not, the name here. I don't see if he's named his rooster, which is, you know what? I, that's probably the, uh, oh wait, no, he did. He did. Oh, his no. rooster's name is Peep. Pete the rooster. Okay, well, Pete the hey. rooster. Pete, yeah, I just luckily got really you were found. Luckily, you were found, Pete. All right, let me um, let me switch. I don't know how you make a segue from that to this. You're creative. You can do it. You'll just do it. No, I, I thought I would just pause, <laughs> and people will forget. I that was like the uh, we the need what we pause. need is some parsley to clean your palate off. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> this is verbal <laughs> parsley. So the. We we heard this story probably a year or two ago when the um, when the case was filed when the papers were filed, but it's now in court, and it is CBC Television suing the Conservative Party of Canada because the Conservative used some very short clips from CBC News in campaign ads, and CBC okay. is saying that this was you know, it's wrong. It was copyrighted and you shouldn't be able to do this. My question is this. I would, I would agree with that principle in almost every single circumstance. If you were to do this with global news, TV stuff or CTV news or any of the sports networks or whatever else, mm -hmm. the CBC is owned by Canadians. It is a crown corporation who taxpayers and gov and parties and everyone else pays for. To me, the CBC should not be able to turn around and claim that a clip of a news clip, and we're not, again, we're not even talking about entertainment or creative. We're talking about a news clip. The CBC should not be able to claim that a news clip paid for by tax dollars is suddenly only their property and can't be used by any Canadian. Every Canadian should be allowed to use it however they want. Well, well see, and yes, I see where you are coming from. But I think at some point there has to maybe be that line drawn where it's like, wait a second, you have to you have to be asking for some permission. You have to get your lawyers on this, cross your T's and dot your I's to ensure that this can be done. I get it. The CBC, publicly funded, all that great stuff. But I think there may have been a line that would probably be crossed in this situation because you the, the CBC doesn't represent this this party, the CBC has nothing to do with it. They, they try to be as partisan as possible when it comes to all networks. And all of a sudden, if you're going to see their clip or their little logo in some ad for some uh, political party, people, you know how people think, Scott, oh, well, the, the CBC supports them. They obviously gave permission for this. They didn't give any permission. So I can kind of see where this is going from, from the CBC's perspective. Except it's a news clip. Except it's a news clip. And so once again, it, well, there's two issues here. It's a news clip and, and not from what I understand, it's not a, 
uh, a talking head. It was a, a clip of the prime minister or someone who was talking. And so it's, it's video that was taken of a public figure in public, publicly. Is that enough public? And it's by the public broadcaster who we all own. So if, again, if this was the C- a CBC program that they had hired writers and staff and everyone else, and they had created something. Even then, I I have some issues with it because it's owned by the public. But this in particular should not, in my mind, be something that they can claim ownership of. Well, again, I I think there's this infringement of of rights and logos and perception that's being put out there because if, if if, if, if you set the parameters that this uh, political party can do it, then every political party is going to do it. And then at some point, you just start to, to, to the, the ball starts to unravel. So I think you have to set some precedents here and have more of an understanding. And, you know, I'm no lawyer. I don't know how the CRTC works. I don't know all the innards of, of the how a lawyer would go about this. But I'm sure if you start to dug or dig really deep and go line by line through things, there might be something in there that says this can't be used without permission. Like, oh, I'm sure there is. On every broadcast, almost everywhere, the rights with for this are express written consent, yada, yada, yada. There has to be something somewhere the CBC has that says, look, you need some permission. Talk to us first. Yeah, we're publicly have, owned, but let's let's have a chat first. I, I have no doubt that that exists. I, I have absolutely no doubt that exists. It must. You're right. But should it even be allowed to exist? If you have paid your tax dollars or whatever to own this, to pay for the CBC, I don't know how the CBC owns, it's a public body. I don't know how they own it. There's a lot of things with government stuff, quite frankly, that concern me, that we get governments who do a lot of stuff where they they make it very difficult to get freedom of information requests. We own that information. The stuff that is not released to the public should be rare. It should be rare under the most extraordinary circumstances because of some reason that is so likely to cause someone to be injured or attacked or exposed but not because of something that's embarrassing or that we don't want you to know or whatever else. If you work for the CBC for a long time, they wouldn't release, maybe they still don't, they wouldn't release the salaries of Peter Mansbridge and stuff. And it was like, no, he is a public employee. If you're working for them, it should all be out there. It should all be out there. But to what end? I don't know if we have to go soon, so let me get this out quickly. But to no, what end? And, and, and again, th- th- these are these are political parties and individuals. But but what if what if uh, other organizations and groups, um, for for example, what if the Proud Boys? Uh, what if cults? What if these all of a sudden they say, well, we want to start doing commercials and we're going to start uh, grabbing clips from 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 the CBC? You know, you have to set a precedent, I think, by saying. No, there are rules put in place, owned by you guys or not. There are rules that you have to adhere to, and uh, we, we will uh, take the necessary steps to take you to court and make sure that this doesn't happen again. It's an interesting one. The, the, the case is going to be, uh, I believe it wrapped up today, at least the, the hearing portion of it. I, I, there's no response or no result yet. That, of course, will probably take a while to come still, but it's going to be really interesting because Again, it's a very unique position. It's not a private enterprise that has invested its own private money and therefore has, a, in my mind, a right to say this is our property. We see that kind of thing all the time with, for example, the Olympics. But they, um, have, or, a, they, they have a right, Scott, to, to, keep, to keep their integrity. And I think that's where some of this comes from. They, Of course they have a right to keep their integrity. The question is, if it's a... If it's a a, a clip that occurred in public of a public event and it's a public broadcaster who's doing that, does it own that? And that's the discussion and that's what we're going to be finding out. All right, we got a couple more minutes. I want to switch uh, and let me know. I'd love to hear from people where they stand on this one and what they think of it because it is a confusing one. It is a tricky one. It's unusual from most of what we talk about with trademark or copyright stuff. Radley at 900chml.com. Would love to hear from you. One more and we got time and we have a few minutes left. There are growing calls right now from a lot of people to the federal government, again, to boycott the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics because of the treatment of the two Michaels, the Canadians who have been kept there, hostage, most people would describe it, uh, political prisoners, and also the treatment of the Uyghur people who you know, have been sent to 
re-education camps and tortured and all kinds of other stuff. And this is now not just in Canada, the calls for boycott. The calls are now spreading, saying, how can any country that values human rights support a PR effort by the Chinese government to put a shiny face on what they do? The problem is, Mike, that a boycott doesn't affect politicians. It may make a point, but it affects athletes who have trained for this. Would you be, would you be someone who would say, I don't necessarily love the idea, but I get why we would have to boycott or are you an absolutely no boycott situation? I, I go with the, your, your first suggestion there. I, I, I get why you should, but to your point, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the dreams of these young athletes, the sacrifices that they have made, um, I'm sure there are other ways that you can politicize and get your point across and, and uh, I don't want to say punish, but you, you, can, you, you can have the Olympics and, and the committee there and that country you know, know that what you've done is, is not right. Um, taking, taking dreams away from, from young athletes who've been practicing since they were 8, 9, 10 years old and so for some of them, it's their very last Olympics. For some of them, this might be their only shot at it. Uh, there has to be, I would think there has to be other ways uh, to get your point across than to boycott. And, and I get, you know, the, the head of the uh, committee there, he had to resign based on some horrific sexist comments that he made. Um, don't punish the athletes. All right. So if you say, and fair enough, and if you say then there must be other ways to do it, would you encourage athletes who are there to take a stand on something? For example, we saw back in 1936, 36, yeah, when Jesse Owens was at the Berlin Olympics, people sometimes call it the Hitler Games. That was the, the I mean, in a, lot, in a lot of ways, there's some similarities here. The, the Hitler Olympics, the Berlin Games were designed to put a shiny face on the Nazi party when they were getting going and really building up steam and, you know, Jesse Owens went in there and completely spoiled the party for them, made it a great party for a lot of other people, for most other people. But you all, then you've got the one down in Mexico City with, um, uh, I can't think of his name now, uh, forgive me, the uh, the black athlete who raised his fist with the, uh, with the black glove on. Would you be okay with athletes making political statements against the host country? I mean, you may end up in prison, we don't know, but would yeah, you be okay I- with them doing that? I think that's a personal choice that every individual athlete has to make. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, say, look, you know what, all Canadian athletes, you go over there, this is what you have to do. Um, I think if an athlete is strong, strong-willed enough, strong mind, is that passionate about it, and they want to protest by doing something, um, then by all means, I'm completely for that. We are in a, in a world of, of free speech. So, uh, well, not there. No, not, not there, there. You're not. But but again, when when the eyes of the world are on you, what can they do? They can't kidnap you. They can't keep you there after you've competed and won a medal or or not won a medal, but made some sort of um, sign because all eyes are on you. You can't screw this up. You can't screw this up if you are Tokyo. So again, if you're an individual, Beijing, 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 sorry, Beijing. yeah, you. Tokyo, yeah, yeah. My apologies. If, no, no. Just are, to be clear. If you are an athlete who who feels strongly enough, then by all means, I, I think that you got the world stage protest civilly, you know, and, and and make it respectful, but get your message across. But okay, so we only got a second or a few two left. Would it be so the, the 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 government right now has said the decision about a boycott or not falls in the lap of the Canadian Olympic Committee. The Canadian Olympic Committee has said we're going. So the, it looks like nothing will happen. Would you support, would you be okay understanding the international incident that it may cause? Would you be okay if the prime minister said, we encourage our athletes there to speak out when they have an opportunity and we're, we're okay with them. We will back them if they want to make a political statement as opposed to the alternative, which is usually we're going to quietly warn and tell the athletes, you may not want to speak out because you could run into problems here. Would you be okay if we had a government say, we will back you publicly say, we will back you if you speak out? Well, that's a slippery slope because how are they going to speak out? You know, they're, 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 you, you, you can't, you can't do anything that's going to uh, completely embarrass yourself or the country as well. I think if it's a peaceful, calm, 
uh, type of protest by an insignia or a fist or not standing for something, I have no problem with that at all. By, but by the government backing, say, we'll, we'll support you no matter what, I think you're putting yourself in a very dangerous spot there, because who knows what someone might come up with to say, this well, is how I'm going to protest. That's a very good point. I mean, that is a very good point, that there's always going to be somebody who's going to take it beyond even what we could fathom. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. true. Yeah. You could have people, I mean, look, the, the, the standing fist. Now, the fist is traditionally, or at least in the Olympic context, the, you know, the raised fist has been the black power they, I, I don't know that you want to be taking that and doing that because you're going to run into a whole other issue with, you know, stuff. But if there was another physical action maybe, that you could do that would represent, I don't know. Maybe, you know, when you're, when you're given the medal, you are always kind of also given like a bouquet of flowers in, in the name of the country. You're given a little token on behalf of the country. Yes. Maybe you don't accept that. Maybe that's a way of, I, I don't know. I've never been an athlete going to the Olympics in another country, no, so, uh, so, so no. I don't know. But um, I, I think as athletes, you, you should go, and I'd love to hear that the Canadian government is saying, yes, we are going to go, and then um, boycott uh, how you see fit. And if you cross the line, yeah, then maybe be prepared. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. My, cons- my concern, or at least my un- unsettledness is, I would really hope that our government... And I don't, I mean, by that time, who knows what government, because we talked earlier on, there's an election probably coming in June. It could be, it's not about the government, it's whatever government. I would hope that whatever government, whatever party is in power would back and support athletes provided whatever form of protest, if they choose to do one, is not extreme and wildly offensive. But if someone decides to wear a, uh, you know, wear a, a button that says Uyghurs on it or something and makes a state, you know, uh, and if they're not doing something that's horrendously offensive, I would really hope that our government would say, we're a hundred percent behind you. That's freedom of expression. We support you speaking for human rights. I just don't know that that will happen. The, the world is too big and the world is too big yet. It has become so small because of social media. And, and we've seen what the NBA has done and how they've been able to come together um, and, and make some tr- truly significant change. And again, Beijing is going to have too much of a spotlight on them to really want to disrupt anything. And at the end of the day, we all have to remember that the Olympics is about fair play and it's about the amateur athletes, unless you're an NHL hockey player. <laughs> yeah, that's well, well said. Mike Fortune from Cable 14, the Hamilton Network. You can see him. Tell, tell us the times again so people can find this on Cable 14. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 5 p.m. or anytime on demand on Cable14Now.com. Why not Wednesday? You guys are slacking. Well, we got we got council and GIC, you know, those long marathons that they like to do? That, that, you know, that takes precedent over what Scott and I have to talk about. Yeah, well, <laughs> this, that's what they say. I'd rather watch you guys. Uh, Mike Fortune, about, thank- We want to hear about corruption and all that good stuff. That's a whole other show. Whole other show. Thanks for doing this. Always appreciate it. Enjoy your long weekend, my man. Cheers. You as well. And good luck to Mrs. Fortune on Valentine's Day. Hope she does better this year than last by the sounds of it. She's going to need it. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening. And do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.